Hi everybody, you're listening to Sound Advice. Hi everybody, uh, my name's Steve Jones and uh, you're listening to Ballard's LLP podcast, Sound Advice. Today I am joined by Sean Devlin, who's our partner uh, for IT and digital transformation, and Marcus Brown, who's also part of the digital team, Digital Consultant. So, broadly speaking, the IT and digital transformation team carry out projects for clients, including IT project delivery, software specification selections, uh, some fractional IT director and uh, CIO services, ultimately looking to make the most out of the opportunities that the digital space uh, affords to to businesses. Hi, uh, Sean. Hi, Marcus. Hi, Steve. Hi, Steve. So today we're going to be looking at a topic of why IT projects fail. Just before we go into why projects fail, Sean, Marcus, do you want to tell me a little bit about some of the warning signs uh, that a project isn't going to plan? What are the sort of things that people should be looking out for? Yeah, um, sure, I'll start that one, Steve. So I think firstly I'd say it's really important there's no kind of single warning sign to look out for. There's not some kind of glowing golden sign that wherever you see that, you know, a project's failing. There's many warning signs, and I usually see that on failing projects, you'll see several of these warning signs manifest themselves. But some, I suppose, some common signs for me, um, initially risk management. So on a healthy, well-managed project, you'll have well-defined and well-managed risks are being monitored and mitigated. And it's best principle, um, best practice, sorry, for these to be logged and managed in a risk log. So whenever I see a project that either has a non-existent or an empty risk log, this is a real big warning sign for me because I've never seen a project without risks. So if you don't have a risk log or if you have an empty risk log, it's either the fact that the risks have been ignored or they're not being managed correctly. So that's a big warning sign for me. Um, another one I would say is status reports. So a status report is produced by project managers to give high-level updates to the project board or key sponsors on the status and progress of projects. And these are usually produced either on a fortnightly or a monthly basis, depending on the project. But if I see these reports each month that are always green, but without sufficient commentary, that shouts out to me of a project manager that's really just trying to portray that everything on the project's fine, but without that substance to back it up. And then I suppose equally, if I see red items month in, month out on a project report that don't seem to move and they're always red each month, that says to me that there's no plan to move those those risks and those issues from that red status to amber and then eventually to green. So that's a big warning, a big warning flag to me. Um, I suppose before I hand over to Marcus, I think um, another big, I suppose the last warning sign for me is around lack of interest from project boards or project sponsors. So project boards and sponsors are really key on projects. So a strong motivated project board and a strong motivated project sponsor is key on a successful project. So a big warning sign for me is if you've got that disinterested project sponsor or a disinterested project board, that's a real bad sign. 
And this will often manifest itself in several ways. So for example, you may see them stop attending project meetings or they might not be replying to requests or queries from the project manager or just the overall, I suppose, enthusiasm they speak and portray the project in public. At the end of the day, they're supposed to be the people that are driving the project forward. So if they're disinterested and they're not motivated, that's a real big warning sign for me that not is all well on a project. Um, so that's three from me. Um, over to you, Marcus. Uh, yeah, so I guess to add to what Sean was saying about risk, one of the other things that I've seen just before I go into mine is is sometimes people are re- actually reluctant to put risks onto the risk register and I think that for me is always a worry because a risk is a risk, it's better off on that register and then if needs be um, you can mitigate it or it maybe won't impact you in happy days but yeah. otherwise I'd want all, all the risks listed on the risk yeah. register. I, I totally agree with you Marcus, I think a healthy project is one that's got a full risk log really, there's nothing better than seeing a risk log that's full, with, that's been monitored and that's got those mitigating actions so a full risk log is a really healthy project. Yeah. Um, so, so one of the things I guess I see quite a lot when when projects are at risk of failing is you see the project cadence. That's that's the weekly or monthly meetings starting to slip and slide, and people finding excuses not to be there. Um, gradually, the meetings get pushed back or, or moved quite often by the project manager when they say, "Oh, I just need an extra couple of days to to get the report." I would much rather have that meeting and have a discussion about why things aren't there. Um, and then put a plan in place to mitigate it might be more resources needed and that's quite often doable but if if people keep it under their hats then you don't actually pick up on those type of issues then they uh, spring out late in the day that oh I needed a bit more help on x y or z and you're much better off picking up those blockers early on and then I think the other one I have, which overlap with Sean's, is is about challenge. And um, I think you really want robust challenge from all people in the project, sponsors, but also project managers challenging operatives, and operatives challenge project managers in, in a positive way and in a constructive way. But actually, um, it shows interest, and, and there's nothing worse than when anyone in the project is sort of disinterested, not paying attention. Um, maybe the scope slips by someone because they're not paying attention all of a sudden they're doing work they weren't expected or or uh, a sponsor comes back and says i need all this work doing and the project manager's not expecting that within the scope of the project um so i think think those are probably the two that i've got on my list that, that i come across quite a lot great thanks guys um okay so we've we've heard about some of the warning signs uh, so let, let's talk about why projects fail um, so I suppose to start off with, there's there's quite a few project management methodologies out of there, but all the main accepted methodologies and the, the popular ones, they often refer to something called a, a project triangle. So this refers to the triple constraints of a project. So that's being cost, scope and quality and time. And the theory is that on most projects, you're always going to have to compromise on one of these things. And that creates kind of a, a trilemma. So, for example, if you wanted to deliver a project quicker, you need to either increase the cost or decrease the scope. Or if you need to increase the scope on the project, that's also going to then increase the cost and the time. And it's accepted that you're going to have to give on one of those three points. But bad projects is when you will try and compromise on all three of these constraints. So what you end up with is a project that's overrunning on time and budget 
and then also delivering a bad final product at the end. So some other key reasons I see on some projects that we help out on or have to go in and firefight are unclear project goals and objectives. So I always say, how can you expect a project to be successful if you don't know what you're trying to achieve? So make sure your project goals and objectives are set out right at the beginning of the project. It's also really important to make sure that they're both achievable and measurable so you can measure during the project how you're getting and how you're getting on to achieve those um, objectives. Um, Kind of relating back to what Marcus was saying earlier as well, it's poor communication. So this can either be delayed communication, poor communication or no communication at all. These are all really recipes for failure in a project. For me, on large, complicated projects, what I do, and I think it's good, good practice, is to have a communication plan. And that's for the project manager, when they're delivering the project, it lays out who they're going to communicate to, the frequency they're going to communicate, and the format they're going to communicate. So that may be by email, update meetings, weekly phone calls. These are all valid forms of communication. And then lastly, I think it's resource for me as well. So this can either be a lack of resource or unexperienced resource. Many projects I see fail are when you have resources allocated to projects that don't have time allocated away from their day jobs to be able to successfully deliver on their project tasks. And that means that one of these things has got to give and it's usually the projects that suffer. So you need to be clear from the outset that if people are assigned to a project, they need to be able to commit time to their project duties. So this could be either ring-fencing staff to projects or it could be arranging a temporary backfill. But all this needs to be accepted and agreed from the project start. And I suppose under resource as well, I'd also include the project manager in that as well. So far too many times have I seen people assign unexperienced project managers to really important projects. And it's a mistake I see time and time again. I mean, like, how can you expect a rookie project manager to really like take hold and drive a project forward? Whereas like an experienced project manager, they're going to be used to managing and mitigating project risks. They're going to be used to dealing with these difficult stakeholders. And they're going to be experienced at making sure that projects run on time and to budget. And you're really not going to get that with an experienced project manager. So... There's kind of three three um, reasons for me. Um, I suppose on to you, Marcus. Thanks. Uh, so related to resources, I think is skills. Uh, if we use yeah. that project project uh, manager example, if you if you're putting someone from the business in who's got no a experience but b qualifications, and you're saying there you go, manage that project. It's quite a difficult thing to do, but that also relates to having the right development resource the right business analysts and not actually expecting people to triple hat roles which we see quite a lot in in projects where the developer who knows a product becomes the project manager becomes a business analyst and they're running between those three things trying to do them all all well and in all likelihood they'll end up doing at least one of them badly and and struggling with that so having some separation or at least making sure that person has all the skills necessary um the other one is choosing the right project methodology uh, in in digital or in project uh, product development quite often that is going to be using an agile uh, project that's something that commonly again we see with SMEs who aren't used to that type of approach they much prefer a waterfall methodology that is planning the project at the start expecting they know all the variables and all the unknown 
and scoping it out as such, whereas Agile is a methodology that allows you to eat the elephant at a bite at a time, as it were. So you, you learn each two weeks, you go forward, you learn a bit more, you learn a bit more. And actually, uh, when you've got large unknowns in a project, you are better off going with an agile approach because it means you haven't put a large amount of uh, resource and cost in and your risks are minimalised. Whereas with a waterfall project, you'll only find out at the end if you've got a problem. So commonly, that's one for me that, that I really think is important about before you even start the project, how are we going to approach this? And if, if it is agile, then you have to accept that's the approach and get the right experienced person in to help you manage that um and i think the other one is it which for me is the biggest one it happens all the time is that buy-in um and making sure that your staff know what the project is they know why they're doing it again this relates to communication have they bought in do you need to do a bit of work to buy them into it is there some quid pro quo you can give them can you give them some responsibilities that they feel engaged with the project all of that type of stuff, because if they're not bought in, and quite often it's key staff who, who aren't bought in, they're just told at the, at the end, here you go, here's a project, we're doing this, and they don't understand why, that they're, they're not going to buy into that project, and then they can push back, they can cause problems, they can slow, delay, or st- even stop a project and, and uh, create a complete fa- project failure on their own sometimes. Um, and, and readiness really as well, making sure that everybody's ready to start the project. You've got all the prerequisites in place to make sure when you land, everything's running smoothly. Um, so yeah, I think those would be the, the three on my on my list. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Mark. I think going back to your point about buy-in, when we talked about disinterested stakeholders, that buy-in needs to be from the very top. So the people that are sponsoring the projects, you need to make sure they're fully on board, they're fully behind it, and they'll get that buy-in because if they don't, how can you expect the rest of the project team to be bought into that project? Yeah, and that's a really interesting um, point you made there, Marcus, about um, project managers having the right approach to a specific um, project. It's something that's you know, it's never sort of crossed my mind. That's a really interesting insight uh, for the um, agile versus waterfall approach and, and having a, a manager experience in the right approach for a specific project. Um, so just to wrap up then, guys, um, Sean, Marcus, why don't you both share with me a top tip for successfully delivering projects? I'll let you go first this time, Marcus. Oh, uh, I might have two, but okay. Uh, clear roles and responsibilities is, is one. For, for me, that is, it's really common that, uh, you know, project board members don't necessarily know what the expectations on them are. Project managers don't exactly know what their scope is. Uh, resource like business an- analysis uh, and uh, developers don't exactly know what their contributions are. But having what we call a racy, everyone gets a clear role and what they're expected to do and what they what they own and what they feed into and hopefully that helps the project run smoothly uh, and just having an idea of what success looks like so when we complete this project what does good look like how can we sign it off and make sure everybody's happy at the end of the project i think those are the two that i would go with that's good i think um one for me it's i suppose it's knowing and recognizing when a project isn't going well and not being afraid to take action Time and time again, you'll see people plough on regardless on a project that isn't delivering with, isn't delivering the value. It's not delivering against timescales. Timescales are moving out and out and costs are going up. So actually take time to stop, 
review where you are, look at what's working, look at what's not, and even question, are the project objectives even still valid? And then either reset and continue with the revised project, or in some circumstances, actually stop the project altogether without wasting more money or budget on a project that isn't going to deliver that value. Brilliant. Thanks, guys. Marcus, Sean, thanks a lot for uh, for your time and insights. You, you guys are obviously you know, experts in this field, and it's always uh, fascinating to hear your thoughts on approaches to, to digital projects. Uh, if anyone would like to get in contact with Sean or Marcus, uh, feel free to visit our site, uh, which is ballardsllp.com. That's ballardsllp.com, where you can find a, a contact us button uh, there. Sean, Marcus, thanks again for your time, and uh, we will catch you on the next one. Thank you. Thanks, Bye now. Steve.